0: All right. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Uh, I didn't put one out on Thanksgiving. I don't know if any of you noticed, but you know what? That's a day to dedicate to family and enjoy some great food, some great times. I had uh, Mitch Zonnefeld hanging out with me. I had my mom down. She was cooking food. Uh, Desmond Motown, Washington. Of course, my beautiful wife, my father. I mean, we had a great time. We had a relaxing time. And that is just as important. So if you run yourself ragged like I tend to do, don't forget to stop and smell the roses. Enjoy your family, enjoy your friends, enjoy your spouse. Just take time to enjoy what it is that you're working so hard for. And that's why, you know what, I didn't get around to doing a podcast yesterday, which please forgive me for. Today is Black Friday, and we just got done doing a bunch of sales and why I am in this position to be able to have a business where people are calling nonstop to get some deals and and we're creating that sense of urgency and we're creating all of these great things, a, a product that people want, a company that people are proud to be a part of. And this mini-series, I'm telling you brick by brick, story by story, day by day, how I achieved what it is that I'm doing today. Now, am I finished? No, I'm just getting started. This is going to be part five of the homeless millionaire. Now, again, just to be clear, people are getting it twisted. When I say millionaire, am I saying I've got millions of dollars laying in the bank? No, I'm saying that millions were my goal. I've lost millions. I've spent millions. I've earned millions. I have been sued for millions. I've had a company worth millions. So when I say this homeless guy was just in the middle of a whole bunch of million dollar problems, just some of the time, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't know how to handle the situation. So when I say homeless millionaire, it talks about my journey. Now, there are going to be many more millions to come in my life. I promise you that. But I'm also probably going to lose many more millions to come in my life because I know how to take risk. I'm just getting better at it. I'm getting better at execution. I'm getting better at picking my team. I'm getting better at leading my team. So without further ado, this is part five of The Homeless Millionaire, and we're going to show you what really started laying that foundation, what I started building, when I started building, when I started realizing these things. So here we go. Now, when I got back to Denver, I was trying to realize what, what has changed in me because those 14-hour those drives are starting to really take their toll on me. But this one was a good one. I just didn't know what was different. I couldn't figure it out. And when I got back to my company, I had a new energy about me. But the problem is, is I wasn't a good steward Of my company. I was, yes, I was absolutely chasing Kayla. Was it the best thing to do at the time? Probably not. Now, fast forwarding into the future, she's been one of the huge just catalysts for explosive, amazing things happening for me. So would I do it again in a heartbeat every single time? Because she is instrumental in what we are doing. But it doesn't change the fact that nine times out of ten, it doesn't work out like that. And If the owner and founder of a company is going to go off chasing a girl when employees are looking for leadership and stewardship, it's probably not going to work out very well. Well, I came back to a company I did not recognize. We did not have any money. We were late on rent. We didn't have any clients coming in. We weren't really doing anything of worth. And all of a sudden, I get the knock at the door. I mean, this is a reoccurring thing. These infamous knocks at the door in my life but this was a real knock we're we're in the middle of the of the studio this 400 square foot space and then all of a sudden i answer the door and it's my landlord and he says hey i know you just got back but uh, you're not you're not paying your rent what's going on and i said oh yeah i just i'm trying to get everything back in order um i'll get it to you let me come i'll come talk to you here uh here in a few maybe tomorrow sometime let me kind of get my bearings so obviously i'm bringing back this woman of my dreams, to help run the company, and the company's in complete disarray. We, Again, we had kind of started our frat house mentality, if you will, which unfortunately gets worse before it gets better, because again, I did not change overnight. I just started getting exposed to the things that changed me, and when you get exposed to the things that change you, they will change you over time, but you have to have that time, which staring down the face of uh, eviction, I did not have that time now he didn't say he was gonna immediately evict me. our relationship was fairly new and uh, he didn't bring it to there but I know what happens when you don't pay your rent and so I asked Ryan hey what's going on what have we what have we done what do we have coming in and we had some of our same old clients, maybe a couple new ones but no one's no one's really putting any dollars into the company. I certainly don't have any dollars left and so he says, "Yeah, man, the the people next to us actually just got evicted," and I went, "Oh, so he's like, really cleaning house?" And he's like, "Yeah, dude, I don't know what to do." And I said, "What what does their space look like?" And he says, "I I don't know." And because they had just been evicted, someone had forgotten to lock the door. So I went over, tried the door. The door actually opened, and I went in and. It had kind of this conference room feel in the first and then just two offices in the back. And it was the same size as our current suite, but it was just built out with two offices in the back. And so I looked at him and I said, well, let's take this space. And he said, are you insane? We cannot pay for this space. And I said, well, then it doesn't really matter, does it? I'm going to go to him, him being our landlord. And I'm going to say, all right, man, my company, I came back, I looked at the numbers, my company is crushing it, man. We're doing great. And, uh. It turns out I need more space. I need to build another studio. Is there any way that uh, I can go ahead and take that off your hands? I know the economy is kind of bad. I don't really want to go find a new place to rent. So, how about this? I'll, I'll make you a deal, ma'am. If you go ahead and give me that uh, space, um, I'll go ahead and sign a three year lease. Um, I'm only, you, you know, I'm only on a, on a one year lease. So, it gives you a little bit more security in the space that I have. I'll sign a three year lease on that one as well. Go ahead and give me two free months in that space and go ahead and give me one free month in the space that I'm at and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and sign the lease for you. We'll take it as is. So I'm not going to make you do any TI, which is tenant improvements. I'm not going to make you do any of that stuff. You know, I'll take it as is. I'll fix it up uh, for me. So you don't have to worry. I'm going to do you this favor. It's easier on all of us. Let's make it happen. Um, When, when would you be able to get me that lease so that we can, uh, we can go ahead and move forward on this? He, he actually looks at me and he says, well, it's, it's an okay idea. I'm open to the idea, but what's, what's, what's to make me think that you can actually pay for two spaces when I haven't gotten paid for the first one yet? And I said, well, you know, that's a good question. And if you want me to, I'll go grab my my checkbook right now. I'll write you a check. We'll get it taken care of. But if I have to pay this month's rent, I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask for tenant improvements. And I've got to think that there's not a whole lot of people who are going to rent that place in the condition that it's in. So, I mean, you can make you can go ahead and make the uh, judgment. It's your space. I completely respect and understand. But you have a tenant sit in front of you. Uh, I'm willing to do this. Uh, I just need you to kind of meet me in the middle. Let's make this happen, man. And he goes, all right, man. I, I hope I hope you don't make me regret this. And I said, well, the only thing that you're going to have to do is the next time somebody gets evicted or can't pay, you let me know when that one comes up. I'll take that one, too. So I go back in thinking that I'm all cool and I tell Kayla and Ryan exactly what I've done and they both look at me like I'm absolutely nuts. Because I've effectively doubled our rent and just bought us two months to figure it out. So. I say, what are are we going to do in these two months that are going to change our lives? And this was one of those hugely pivotal moments in my life. I sat down and I said, look, we need knowledge. I've had a little bit of knowledge and it's doing exponential things for me. So we've got to go to where knowledge is. And either that was on Google, which there's no filter on the internet. So you don't know if you're getting the right information. And so I said, hey, guys, let's go to Barnes & Noble. We don't have any clients, and we just show up here and play like we're busy. So, you know what? Let's get knowledge. Let's figure out how to run a company. Let's do uh, marketing, advertising, sales, taxes, accounting. Let's figure everything out. Now, we don't have the money for the books, so let's go to where the books are. Let's go. We're going to meet at Barnes & Noble every single morning, and we are going to read all day long And then one hour before they close, we're all going to get together and we're going to tell one another what we learned, why we think it's important to us or someone else or the business. And we're going to have an open discussion. And many times we would read so much, we would start the conversation at Barnes & Noble, get kicked out of there and go to a bar and just talk business throughout the night about all the concepts that we had just been exposed to. And so then we start implementing them. And so we move our time that we meet at Barnes & Noble back to 1 p.m., but we meet at KMG at the beginning of the day and we start implementing all these things. We start putting systems in place, processes in place. We start consolidating all of our social media efforts. We start trying to really make an effort in a direction. We start focusing. We start communicating. We start really becoming borderline of business I mean, it's, it's happening, and so day in and day out, we show up at KMG, we implement all these things, we go to Barnes & Noble, we learn, we learn, we learn, then we talk, we discuss, we debate, then we go to KMG the next day, we implement, we do all those things, then we go to Barnes & Noble, and we learn, and then we debate, and then we implement, and then we, and it just goes, and goes, and goes, and finally, we looked up, and we said, man, we have been doing this for like three months. And we don't have anything to show for it. We're not making any money. I'm still hungry. My rent's still not paid. I'm, my phone is still almost off. I'm, I'm calling and making the payment arrangement every single month. I'm hoping that I can keep the internet on so that I can actually do any of the things that these books are teaching me. And don't get me wrong. Things, things did get a little bit better. I mean, but we had essentially doubled all of our bills. So that's eating up a lot of the gains that we are making. And we are, we're starting to feel so defeated. And I remember Ryan looking at me very clearly one day and he says, man, my girlfriend hates you. And I was like, well, my girlfriend, I think hates me too. I mean, she had never been like that, but it's just, I mean, I uprooted this woman and she's helping me run this company. I mean, she still has a great attitude, which I don't know how she did, because she was definitely more on the power of positivity train more early on than I was, and she always had a great attitude. I mean, she'd get a little worried from time to time, but as far as just always being positive, feeling that she was in the right place that she was supposed to be in, I mean, she was a rock for me. I mean, she gave me inspiration every single day, but I couldn't help but think, man, is she going to end up resenting me? Because I moved her out of a stable job. And I moved her away from her family to a new state. I mean, I'm getting worried. And, uh, but Ryan's looking at me saying basically the same thing. We're having the same fears. But I mean, at least we were a team His girlfriend wasn't really around the team. She didn't understand what it was like to fight the battle. She didn't understand why the battles existed. And I said, look, man, if if you stick with me and you follow knowledge and we implement these things and we just stay true to what we're doing, I guarantee you the... I'm going to give her a new reason to hate me. And that's going to be because in Denver, Colorado, of all places, you're going to make 100% of your money off of music. And you're going to make a good living, man. I Just stick with me. We're going to do this. We're going to do it. And he goes, I pray, I pray for that day. I pray for that day. We'll see, buddy. And uh, I could tell he's, he's, from his emotion and the way that he's thinking and acting, he's kind of hedging his bets and maybe he's looking for other jobs or whatever it is, but I couldn't blame him. And so I went, I went home that night and Kayla's in tears. And, and I, I look at her and I was like, what's, what's going on? She said, man, I I can't really talk about it. I'm just so stressed out. I think she was missing her family and she's going through just, I can only imagine and so we go to bed, and I have another sleepless night, and I'm in and out of bed, and i was I had insomnia really bad, and uh, I finally exhaust myself enough to where I fall asleep and I wake up the next morning, and Kayla's staring at me, and I could tell that she had been crying again, and I look at her and I say what what's going on?" She said, "I don't know how you do it i I don't know I say. I just woke up, so I need you to kind of be a little bit more specific. She says, you know, you wake up every single morning and you have no idea where your dollars going to come from. You have no idea if our phones are going to get turned back on. You have no idea if we're going to be able to stay in this apartment. You have no idea. You don't know where the next dollar is coming from. And sometimes it bugs me that I feel like you don't take that seriously. And I looked at her and I said, man, I, I, I completely understand what you're talking about, but I guess looking at it from that point of view, I mean, it, it kind of makes me realize that I would hate to have been in your position at your old corporate job. Because if I woke up in the morning and I knew exactly what my life was worth, that would scare me so much more than waking up in the morning knowing that I can go make anything that I want to out of this day. And the great thing that happened in that conversation is we were so open and real and honest with one another that it touched a part of our souls that, we were able to understand the other one just a bit better than we did before because she did come from a different background than I did. And while I was building and trying to make things more stable, she was so much further out of her element. And when we kind of used the best things of each other's world to build this new future. I mean, we're the architects of what is happening. Life happens because of us, not to us. And when we realized that, when we said, all right, we're going to make our own opportunities. We're going to do So The next day, man, we hit it way harder than we ever have before. And we were that energy for the company. And when I say company, yeah, we're small. It is what it is. But I'm saying the company because as I was walking around those first 400 square feet and on to the next 800 square feet that we had after we took that second space, I always... In my mind, had the space that I'm sitting in right now 25,000 square feet of state of the art education facility, media facility, recording studios in Boulder, Colorado, which is way more expensive than where I was. But I was already there because life does not get easier. You get stronger. I know we've gone over that, but that's something I want you guys to constantly remember. So all of a sudden, we really, really dig in. And we are reading twice as much as we were. And we're putting in twice as many of the hours. And just just to be clear, guys, I mean, when you're building your company, just because you're there doesn't mean you're working. It doesn't mean that you're being productive. Just because you show up doesn't mean that you're actually doing anything. And so when I say we're putting twice the hours in, I mean, we were there for the same amount of time because we were already doing 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours, 16 hours. But now we're starting to pull 16 hours of work out. You know what I mean? So we're being very productive. And so we start putting all of these things into play. We're showing Ryan what we need him to do. And he's still in there on the learning train with us. And we're always in strategy mode and execution mode. And we're really, really making something. We can, you, you know, when you have that, that success that you can taste, you can feel, you can touch, you know, is imminent. We are in that mode. But the problem is, is we are chasing it so hard because we're so tired of being hungry. We're so tired of not paying bills. We're so tired. We're scared. But we are fighting and we're running and we're pushing through and we're pushing through. We start to burn ourselves out. And so one of these mornings we get there and we are just, we're all dead. All three of us. We are donezo. And so I, I look at Ryan, I said, man, you know what? Let's go. We, we haven't had a call in a long time. We don't have any sessions for like a week. Um, let's just go throw the ball around. Let's just, let's not go to Barnes and Noble today. Let's not try to do anything at KMG today. Let's just, let's have fun. All right, let's just, let's go have fun. And so we went to a park and we just started throwing the ball around. And we were having a good time and we're running routes and it's the middle of, uh, it's, it's a summer's day. And a beautiful day out there, and uh, all of a sudden Kayla's phone rings, and uh, she says, "Hey, this is Kayla, yada yada yada." And uh, yeah, we have time then. Yeah, we can, we can. Yeah, we can do that. And she books a session. We're like, "Yeah, we booked a session, awesome!" And then her phone rings again, and again. And then Ryan's phone rings, and then my phone rings, and then Kayla's phone rings, and then my phone rings, and then Ryan's phone rings, and back and forth, ring, 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 ring. We had the ball down, and we all we were doing was booking appointments. All of a sudden, we were booked up for the next two and a half months. And I looked at them and I said, Guys, is this the day that we're going to remember forever? Is this the day we're going to be able to say, That was when our hard work paid off. That's when we became a company. It's, it's that time when you have an origin story, say we're talking the movie of Greg Kimball or the movie of KMG, whatever. It's that moment after all of the hardship and everything and you get your first real win. It's that pivotal change where you realize, oh my God, my hard work is actually doing something. And I remember so clearly saying, and if you talk to my wife to this day, she remembers it clear as day as well. So we, we get to work. We're, we are pumped. So we get back to the studio. I mean, we we booked stuff for that day. We left and we were like, yes, I'm actually going to... I'm eating Sizzler tonight. You know what I'm saying? That feeling you get when you're really just excited that you're actually going somewhere. There's movement. We're making headway. And so I get back, but I realized as we we're walking up to the studio, I forgot to pay the rent. <laughs> okay, couldn't pay the rent. Didn't make enough money to pay the rent. And of course... I had that just that, that weird feeling. So I'm walking up the stairs and my landlord's standing there and I went, Oh my God. I don't know what, the, I mean, I can't get out of this. What, what am I going to say? And he, he says, Greg, uh, I need you to meet me in my office immediately. I, I have some pretty urgent business to, to discuss with you. So I go in there and we're, I mean, Kayla and Ryan went into the studio and the landlord's office was right next to the studio. And so I go over there and I'm going, oh man, I I know what this is about. And he sits me down. He uh, puts a piece of paper in front of me and it's a floor plan. And I, I, oh, okay. Why are you showing me this? He said, well, you know, you you said that if anyone can't pay their rent and they leave to let you know, and uh, the guy's... And it's 1,700 square feet. So we're about to be, what, 300% the size of what we've been. I mean, and, and he says, well, you, you told me to give you first dibs. They can't pay their rent. And I wanted to offer it to you. I said, well, if you give me two free months, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny even just thinking about it. But I, I look at it straight faced. If you give me two free months and then... The uh, two spaces that I have now, and, and you just go ahead and wipe out my rent to uh, that I owe you for, for this month. And he says, well, that worked out last time, so let's go ahead and do that. And I'm going, oh, yeah, where do I sign? So now I've taken our rent and it tripled it, but I've given us two more months. It's crazy, but I did it. And so I walked back. But here's the thing. We had just booked out three months of work, so now we could even open up another studio because we kind of had enough gear to where we could have another smaller studio. And so we're thinking, hey, this this might actually work out. So I go back in there and they actually get excited with me. And we're going, all right, we, we're, we're empire builders. We're doing it now. And so we get super excited. We get people in and we start going to work. And when I say work, like for instance, one of our projects, we had to hit a crazy deadline for someone. I'm in one studio, Ryan's in another. We're working on the same project. It was a guy named Jason Schuster, and we worked 37 hours straight. Those were the kind of things that we were taking, and we were delivering some crazy amazing things in deadlines that were just people were like, I don't even know how you guys are doing this. I mean, we didn't even know how we were doing it. We just started working. We wouldn't stop. And so we have 2,500 square feet. We don't really know what to do with all of it. And we're doing the best that we can. So we start getting a couple more employees and interns and this, that, and the other. And and here's the problem, because we were a full-fledged studio. We were scared ourselves. We weren't mature to save our lives. I was on the path, but I wasn't there yet. And so this is the problem because we started that frat style studio that's so prevalent today where there's the hazing and the rituals and this. And I mean, we started down that path. And I mean, it's not something I'm proud of. It's something I learned a lot of, but we didn't have a fun work environment. I mean, maybe for people who had proven themselves, maybe for people who had been there for a long time, maybe it was fun for them, but anyone coming into the company, it was a nightmare. And I look back on that, and I'm absolutely ashamed of who I was and what I let happen. And we had many different employees and and interns and this, that, and the other come through our facility. And don't get me wrong, we had great hearts, and it wasn't something just really, really bad. Like, for instance, I had a, a famous celebrity. I'm not going to name names, but I had a famous celebrity smash hot spaghetti in my face because I either did get him meat sauce or didn't get it. I can't remember what it was, but right when I presented it to him, they smashed the like scalding hot spaghetti in my face. It was insane. We would never do anything like that, but we would do like, you'd have to do pushups if you didn't know the name of a compressor and you'd have to do dumb stuff for the engineers and you'd have to, I mean, some of it was a bit demeaning and some of it was just not fun. Some of it was just doing normal running things, but, There were also a ton of just great times. I mean, these guys were incredible people. I mean, we'd have Nerf battles inside of the studio late at night when the landlord wasn't there. And we'd have some people because we were just a bunch of lost kids trying to make money. And we weren't doing a very good job of it. None of us were very mature. None of us were very responsible. And me as kind of the ringleader initially. And I was into this hazing thing. And well, I didn't do all of it myself, was I guilty of it? Absolutely. But there's also a bunch of my old engineers who were just very, very bad at it. And uh, it just it created a crap environment, to be honest with you. It wasn't the best place that we could be. It wasn't who I was. and And it wasn't until my wife looked at me one day and she said, you know, this is not who I thought you were and man that hit me like a ton of it. She said, I don't know how you're proud about how you're behaving. You're not cool. Just, just so you know. And she didn't say it mean. It was, it was weird how she said it. She didn't say it mean. She just said it matter of fact, like that's just how it was. Well, it, that's how it was. And I started realizing that and I realized I'm not proud of this company. Proud of who we've become. I'm not proud of the antics. I'm not proud of the hazing, and everyone was guilty of it. I mean, not Kayla because she's awesome, but everyone. I mean, the engineers. I mean, we had a, a hierarchy for our our interns. I mean, we would have a head intern. How stupid is that? I mean, in this company that I have now, we don't even allow interns. We don't allow hazing. We don't allow any of that stuff because. It creates a toxic environment. You can't get anything great done in a toxic environment. And so I started making a difference and I said, ah, wow. And I sat down and I had, we had gotten away from our Barnes and Noble days. We had gotten away from the pursuit of knowledge. We had got we had remained the same for like a year and a half. I had, I had gone back to me thinking that I had to impress people through stupid crap I had gone back to me trying to be something that I necessarily wasn't. I'd gone back to the scared little kid. I had ran away from my progress. And so I said, nope, I'm not doing it. So there was a marked difference in who I was. And I went back to Barnes & Noble and now we had a little bit of money. And so I would buy audiobooks and I got addicted to audiobooks. To this day, I am still addicted to audiobooks. And so I started reforming our culture. Now, a lot of people did not like me reforming the culture because when you're going from just running around and allowing people to drink in the studio and allowing these antics and hazing and you go okay we're not going to do that anymore and you start phasing certain things out and you start saying oh well i don't want you drinking here and and you're handing people audiobooks and saying hey why don't you read this well now you're you're creating a completely different culture so and i'm putting limits on how often the employees can use studio time because i had basically hired a bunch of clients and They were using the studio more than we were selling the studio. So I was, in fact, just basically paying for a studio for them. And so when I started putting stipulations and I started saying, okay, well, you can only have this many hours of studio time for every hour of studio time that you work, that we're making money off of, and we're putting all of these different stipulations and rules and regulations and processes back to what we learned when we were sitting at Barnes & Noble. We started ruffling a lot of feathers. We started changing, which it was a very interesting time for KMG because we got professional enough to where my dad came back in and he said, well, I'm going to be able to be here for a while because I moved back to Wyoming and it looks like you need a little bit of help because it seems like you've got an okay thing going on here. And so he gives me my first business loan and he does a lot of the work with his bare hands to remodel the lodge. And if anyone remembers going from who we were to the lodge, it was pretty incredible. And so we start getting business off of that. We start really making something, but we're doing this tug of war battle of being professional. And sometimes too professional, because I'd notch it up way too fast, scare everyone, and people get really pissed off. Then I would come in and mess up, and I would not be a very good example. And then everyone would be like, oh, okay, this is okay. And then I'd fly off the handle and say, oh, you're not allowed to do this. I mean, I'm going back and forth, trying to change myself. I'm, I'm going through a battle myself, and I'm not being a good leader or a good example. And so I finally fire my first person, because we needed to start setting a precedent. And from that moment on, we we started just another notch towards who we needed to be. Now, the problem was, is I knew who we needed to be. I couldn't be that person. I wasn't the leader that was ready yet. I hadn't been through the experience. I hadn't been through the the, the pitfalls. But the problem is, is I'm expanding too fast. I'm spending every penny I have on this renovation that my dad's doing because I used all of that money, every money that I could uh, get and then every single penny that I could get from anyone else, a bank loan, and cash flow, everything. And then one of my friends gives me an Aston Martin. I'm not kidding. You cannot make this stuff up. He says, man, I'm moving. I've got a bunch of cars. I know you love cars. You've been a great friend to me. Uh, go ahead and take this off my hands and I'm freaking out because I mean, just so you know, if you're a guy and someone says, can I give you an Aston Martin? You say yes. Any guys gonna say yes. And I said yes. Well, here's the problem. Perception is reality. And I'm spending every penny that I have. Now I have this enormously expensive car. I'm not paying a payment, but I have this enormously expensive car from insurance standpoint, from change the transmission fluid standpoint, the the tires standpoint, everything. It's just, it's crazy how expensive those cars are. Okay, so now I have that. perceptions reality. All my employees see me with an Aston Martin. And then, of course, I go and I'm trying to run my company and I can't make payroll. I can't pay payroll. I'm late on checks. I'm asking people, hey, can I can I give you this check just a little bit later because I'm I, I'm putting all of my money into the company, but I'm too prideful to tell anybody that I had just gotten given an Aston Martin. I'm too prideful to tell that to anybody. I, as far as I'm concerned, I made an amazing company and look at what I bought. I'm amazing. I'm awesome, and look at me. And that started me on this. This material thing that was just so bad for me because then you got to, well, now I got to get the clothes to match the Aston Martin. I got to get this. I got to get that. I got, I played the material game and I'm spending any money that I can get and money I don't have to try to keep up with my own Joneses. I mean, no one else I knew had an Aston Martin, but somehow I have an Aston Martin. It's crazy. I end up getting rid of it because I was like, you know, this is a, a terrible example And I I ended up just trading it in and say hey, you know what, I cannot, I can't do this. And so starting all over again, like mentally, if you will, because I had gone professional, then I'd gone like to kind of the frat boy days and then I'd gone professional and then I'd gone into the, I was professional, but I was being more professional than I actually was. And I was trying to create this persona and I was trying to create this and, and just, unhealthy things for myself and everyone else around me. And it's not a good example for a leader to be doing any of the things that I was doing. Um, but the thing is, is no one could take away from the fact that I really cared and I loved the company and I would do anything. And I think anybody, even if we had a falling out, if you look back on our relationship and you ask them, Hey, you know what? When push came to shove, was he the first person that you would want to call? And if he wasn't the first person that you wanted to call, when you did call him, did he not always show up and have your back? Was he not that guy? And that's who I was. And that's just, that's something that no one's ever going to take away from me because I really did love my team and I would go the extra mile for my team. I I sometimes would hold them accountable and I wouldn't be able to do the same for myself. And I think that's where my, when I was a young leader, where I was really messing up, but I was... If they needed someone, they knew that I had their back. And that loyalty and, and who I was in that time, that, that was something that I always had. And so I, I said, okay, I'm going to build off of that. I'm going to start building that foundation that people can actually lean on. Because leadership, you've got to realize you praise what you want repeated. And I was praising all the wrong things. So if I would laugh at a joke at the expense of someone else, I'm praising that. So of course, people are going to make more jokes like that. So as a leader, I have to hold myself to a different standard. So if I knew I was capable of breaking out of the childish stuff and I could go be there for someone in ways that no one else could be there for somebody, I could go talk someone through something. I could go help them out financially. I could go pick them up, whatever it was. I I can be there for these people. But the thing is, I, I have to break out of my childish mentality and I have to mature in what I'm proud of. And I have to start praising myself for what I want repeated. And you know what I want repeated? I want to repeat the fact that I get called a good leader, that I can be called inspirational, that I can be called motivational. I want to be praised for the fact that I can be there in the toughest of times. I want someone to know that I can have their back. And so, you know, I'm going to put an emphasis on getting knowledge, wisdom, and changing who I am so that I can be the example that I want to see in other people. I'm going to start measuring myself with a different yardstick than I measure other people. Because if I have the audacity to say I am your leader, I need to be held to a better standard. And it starts with me. And so I made a commitment to myself that day. All right, here we go again. Round 30. What, what, whatever this is of me mentally restarting myself and saying I'm going to be a more professional person. I know guys, this is hard. This is why I'm sharing my story with you guys to tell you how many times I messed up and restarted and restarted and restarted and restarted and restarted, and restarted because it took me probably 30, 40, 50, a hundred times of restarting who I was mentally so that I could actually be a real leader. I had to fall on my face. I would have egg on my face, mud on my face. I had to be embarrassed. I had to come clean. It's hard guys. So I'm trying to tell you guys, if I can get through it, I know you can too. I know you can too. I'm just trying to tell you my story because it's probably not that rare. It's not that crazy because everybody wants something more from life. Everyone knows that they're capable of more. And I'm just telling you, look, I would start great, I'd start out great, I wouldn't finish. Or I'd start out crappy and then I'd figure out a way to throw the Hail Mary pass and it'd get caught and save the day. I want consistency, I want inner peace. And I'll be honest with you, I still don't have that. I'm working hard for it. I can see, I can understand it a whole lot better. But inner peace is what you should strive for, not a ton of money. And so yes, I restart my life. I find an investor. I'm pumped. I find this investor. He's gonna give me sixty thousand dollars with the option to do an extra forty to make it a hundred at a seven to twenty percent uh, return if he exercises the debt option, which means it was a loan. If he exercises the equity option, means he owns. Part of the company. So basically, how it would work out is he'd give me money and he would own 7% of the company if he becomes fully invested. And if he just has it as a loan, it would turn into a 20% loan, which I mean, it's pretty expensive money, but it is what it is. I want extra capital so that I can really start running my business the way that I want to run my business, which is as a business, not a frat house. And and I want to expand and I want to make a bigger studio and I want to get nicer things. And I really want to compete on a very, very, very high level. Well, that was the worst mistake that I made for my company was taking that money and taking the wrong business partners. one of the most detrimental things you can do to your future. And I'm going to tell you the story of why you need to be very careful of what happens when you take the wrong business partner and how much it can mess things up and how hard and scary things get after you take money and you are a servant to someone else. Because in the Bible, it says the debtor is slave to the master. And and the Bible is true on that. So be very careful of who you allow to give you money. Because remember, if you have a great idea, it's a privilege for them to be able to give you the money. But I couldn't even fathom the fact that someone wanted to give me this money. So in my brain, I thought I had to get it out of their hands as fast as possible because they were going to change their mind. I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't put any time, effort, energy into it. I was just shocked that someone wanted to take a chance on me. Now, all they saw were dollar signs, and I really understand that now. They didn't want to be in business with me. They didn't want to build something great. They didn't want to change lives. So without a lawyer and without due diligence, I signed the paperwork. I took the money. And it was one of the worst decisions that I've ever made. Huge learning experience and a very expensive learning experience. It's like my dad said, education is always expensive. This has been the final percent podcast. I know we went a little extra on time, but trying to cram like three years into 41 minutes is a bit crazy. Um, I did my absolute best. So if you, if you want to take a deeper dive into any of this, please pick up the book, the final percent. We, we really go down a lot of the rabbit holes and tell you the ins and the outs and the whys and the what's and all that good stuff. But, uh, we're going to find out more about the business partner thing coming up in part six. Again, we're probably going to get into part seven or eight um, because this is taking a lot longer than I thought. Thank you so much for just listening to my story. Again, it means the world. So in the next part, you guys are going to hear all about me getting my very first real business partner and my very first real infusion of capital and the good things that happened, the bad things that happened, the, the absolutely insane, crazy things that happened that can only happen to me, I'm convinced. Um, but we're going to pick up from me cashing that check and what did I do with that money, and what didn't I do with that money, and why some of that money was the most stupid thing I've ever done with part of that that turned into the greatest thing that I have ever achieved and probably the best decision of my life. You're going to find out tomorrow. My name's Greg Kimball and this is my story. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Final Percent.